Please take your Bibles this morning. Let's look at the book of Philippians chapter 1. And we're going to talk about Paul's straitjacket this morning. Philippians chapter 1, and we're going to begin reading in verse number 12. Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. But I would you should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather under the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all the places. And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preach Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. What then? Notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also, Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor." Yet what I shall choose, I wot not. For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. Would you pray with me this morning? Dear Lord, we ask that you would bless the reading of your word, that you would bless the application of your word to each heart. We need your help today because this is your word. We ask that you would grant this request in Jesus' name. Amen. Notice here, he said, if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. To live in the flesh or to die. Those were the choices that Paul had to choose between. I want to get this idea, many of the things, I love preaching through the Bible because so many times when I have read the Bible, I did not understand it, but I needed to finish the reading for the day, and I kept going. And uh, verse 22 is one of those, but if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. It never really made sense to me, but he's talking about the fact that Christians were bolder because of his imprisonment, and that Christ was preached, and that whether he died or he lived, Christ was going to be magnified. So if he lived, the fact that some preached Christ of envy, some of goodwill, it didn't matter because Christ was being preached, Christians were bolder. That was the fruit of his labor in the Lord. It was evidence that God was using him. And he said, what I shall choose, I wot not. I do not know. 
uh, the, the, uh, the word that's passed out of common usage, we see it tied in with the wits, wits, uh, to wit, or I what not. I don't know for sure which is better because I am in a strait. Now, we think of a strait, we think of the uh, Straits of Gibraltar, there are straits uh, of Mackinac up there where the bridge crosses from the upper peninsula to the lower peninsula, and uh, that is, uh, those are called the Straits of Mackinac because there's a little short waterway there, and there's big bodies of water on either side, and there's pressure that comes right there. It's, it's a narrow place. We also talk about it today in uh, the term straight jacket. And we think of it now as a horrible, a horrible thing. But when it was invented, the straitjacket was intended to try to keep people from hurting themselves. When Paul said, I'm in a strait, he, he, he's not saying that someone has forced me to be immobile. He's saying, I have two really big desires and I'm frozen between them. I, I'm, I've put myself in this straight jacket, so to speak. I'm feeling pressure from two sides, and I have to choose one of them, and I don't know which one to choose. And you're not going to believe the two choices that he has to choose from. Choice number one is death, to depart and to be with Christ. And he said that's far better. But choice number two is life, to abide in the flesh. Now, a lot of Christians today don't have any difficulty making this choice. They could easily choose. If it wouldn't hurt too much, I'd rather get out of this wicked world. Just get me out of here. I, I, I ha or, or the other choice might be, I haven't lived long enough down here. I don't want to go to heaven and sit around on a cloud somewhere and play a harp. I mean, who, that, how boring is a, a, a place that's made out of clouds? We just float around for eternity. That's not what I'm into. I'd rather stay here. Choice would be easy for many people. To us, life and death, when you, when, you, when you get cynical and get older, life and death can seem like two evils. Which one are you going to choose? To die, that's going to be painful, brings my existence to an end. Or to live, I've got to live with all these idiots all over the place. And they're multiplying. There's got to be an idiot factory somewhere. They're making more of them every day. I can't wait to, 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 you know, if I could just disappear somewhere, you know, it's, it, it, this, this choice would be the, which of the lesser of two evils. But for Paul, life and death looked like two immense blessings. Life and death looked like blessings to this man. And he wasn't sure which of them was better. Not which one was worse. Which one should I choose? Remember when you were a kid and, you, and, you, and you'd go to, uh, remember buffets? Anybody remember buffets? Back in America, years ago, they used to have these restaurants where they would put all the food out and you could pay one price and you could eat as much as you want. And some people still do that. And uh, places like Golden Corral, you know. And uh, I don't go to Golden Corral any, anymore. Uh, some of the tarnish has come off the gold, if you know what I mean. I, I don't know if what, whether it was the chocolate fountain maybe that finally did it in for me and just that concept of people putting their hands in the chocolate fountain and licking it. I don't know. Maybe that was just me, but um, I, I'm sorry. I, I haven't been you know, hired by anyone to, to denigrate them. But 
But, you know, I remember when I was a kid, they used to have this... Uh, remember back when you did not get refills for drinks? And uh, then I remember when you'd go to these places and they had a, a, a soda fountain with all kinds of different taps. You had, you had Coke, you had Sprite, you had Coke... Uh, what was it? Diet Coke... You had orange, Fanta, you had root beer, you had mellow yellow, all these different, Dr. Pepper, all of these things. And you know, I had, I had a difficulty because I had to choose one of them. If I choose one, Hawaiian Punch, and if I choose one of them, then I have to drink that all down. Sometimes I would just take a little sip, just stand there, and uh, the you know, management would come and push me away. But, you know, sometimes I, I just said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mix them all together. Amen? Just, I mean, it was a power drink. It was in, and when I was a kid, I used to think, it's giving me energy. Oh, it's giving me a sugar high, and I'm going to be miserable the rest of the day. But I just remember, how do you choose between? And then you get up there, and how do you choose between roast turkey and fried chicken and roast beef? And, and how, how can you possibly choose? So we just pile it high and deep, Right? If you have to choose, it becomes more difficult. So Paul is saying here, I've got two really good choices, and I'm having a difficult time knowing which is, which is better. The desire to depart and to be with Christ, that would be for my own benefit. But the desire to stay here would be for the benefit of other people. On either side of those choices, Jesus Christ would be all things to Paul. But Paul wasn't sure which one of those to choose. So he says here, uh, verse number 23, the first choice is to depart and to be with Christ. And that benefits me. He said it's far better. You ever, you ever been in an airport where you're waiting to depart? You're waiting. You're waiting. You don't just get to walk in and uh, get on the airplane. Hey, hey, uh, pilot. Hey, attendants. How you doing? Just sit down and take a seat. No, why? There's so many people. And as you know, you have to wait for, you know, the first regal class of royalty that goes first, and then uh, the lessers, and then the losers, and then me. And you get to load, right? And you're all waiting. But you're, but you're waiting, and you're waiting, and you're waiting, and you, you check your watch, and you check the, the, the monitor, and you check the app on your phone. You're trying to win it. Where are you going to go? And there's always, you know, some information that we have to update. We, have to, we had to clean and shine the wheels on the, on the airplane. We're not going to be able to take off. And, and, oh, we just had to change out a gas tank, minor leak, no problem. Just a couple minutes, and we'll be ready to go. One of the wings fell off. You know, these things, you just never know what it's going to be. And you're waiting and you're waiting. It's like, we got to get out of here. You're checking. You're looking. Why? You're concerned with the time of your departure. And really, the only reason why you would be interested in departing, why you're looking forward to departing, is because you're looking forward to where you're going. Otherwise, you can be, man, I, I'm not in a hurry. I'm not in a rush. I don't really even want to get on this plane because I don't want to go where I'm going. But Paul said, I have a desire to depart. Have you felt that in your heart? A desire to depart. We don't know the time of our departure. Paul didn't, ha it wasn't his time here in Philippians, but it wasn't until 2 Timothy where he said, the time of my departure is at hand. He was looking, listen, he wasn't looking forward to closing this life down because it's miserable. He was actually looking forward 
to the next phase of the trip. It was a place that he would prefer to be. He was excited to finally be with Christ. And I'll be honest with you, heaven is a wonderful thing. And, I, and, and the, as the song said this morning, saints love to sing about heaven. But I would rather be with Christ if heaven was a dump. I, I'd rather go with Christ if we had to stay in an RV park for eternity. I, I don't know if you've ever been to an RV park. It, it's only, uh, you know, people who are temporarily confused or temporarily, uh, you know, it's deceived into thinking that this is a wonderful place to live, right? Uh, it, 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 I'd rather be there than, than in, in the, uh, a trailer park than in a, a condo. Um, I'd rather be there than the nicest home. Anywhere. I'd rather be with Christ. You know, sometimes we talk about how, man, it's going to be great to get to heaven. Yeah, and no doubt it will be. I mean, when you can fly, when you can see, uh, and, and with your senses, you can see music, and you can hear color, and you can taste uh, that which you could only hear before. I mean, you think about that. It's going to be a marvelous, wonderful place. You know, God is the one that created the five senses. And he can mix and match anytime he wants. That's going to be wonderful. But I'm, I, I have to admit, Paul here may be on a, a little bit further down the track than I am. Because he said, I have a desire to depart and to be with Christ. To be with Christ is far better. He said, I'm, I'm excited to finally get rid of this body of flesh that I have to put to death every day and to be with Jesus Christ. I thought about this. Who would it be that you would be interested in meeting? If you had a choice, if you could make a list of the people that you would like to personally meet and maybe spend an afternoon with or a day with, what, 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 what person would it be? Now, I'm going to give you my list. You can make your own list. These are some of the people that I'd like to meet if I had the opportunity. Uh, I'd like to meet Teddy Roosevelt, uh, George Washington. I, I think I might be afraid in his presence, but I'd like to meet him. King David. Boy, I'd like to meet David. There's a, a, an author of hymns I'd like to meet, Philip Bliss. Charles Wesley, I think he would be really cool to meet. Um, I don't know, maybe sometimes in my more masculine moments, I think I might be man enough to be in the presence of George Patton. I think that might be kind of cool to meet him. Fanny Crosby, I, liked, I, I love the songs, the way that she thought about the Lord in, in, in rhyme and meter. Oh, it was beautiful. I'd love to meet her. I'd love to meet Jim Elliott, the, uh, the missionary that was killed back in the 1950s there in Ecuador. Charles Spurgeon, of course, is, has always held a mystique for me. And uh, the Prince of Preachers, I would just love to hear him talk and to, to, to watch him uh, think and to, to, to speak. And I'd like to converse with him and maybe have him look at some of my sermons, see what he thinks, you know. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I'd bring my sermons when I met with Charles Spurgeon, I can tell you that. Uh, here, in, in some of my uh, more carnal moments, I'd love to have met Jimmy Stewart. I think that'd be cool. Man. The everyman, you know, the classic American male. Um, Charles Lindbergh is interesting to me, a guy who refused to take a radio with him on his transatlantic flight because he was afraid it was too heavy. Unbelievable. Didn't even take a toothbrush with him. 
took him 29 hours to, to fly over the Atlantic. And uh, basically, he's just flying on balsa wood and a big engine. <laughs> that takes a lot of guts. I like a guy like that. Are you all okay this morning? Okay. Seems like everybody's a little stiff. Is it pre-Bible conference jitters? Is it late night? Maybe a little hangover this morning? Amen. By the way, you've got to be careful what you do on Saturday nights. Um, you know, I'm not talking about drinking. We don't drink. We don't smoke. Sometimes we watch TV all night. <laughs> be careful. Be careful because Sunday morning is important. It's important. You've got to be ready to, to uh, be with the Lord. You know, somebody else I think um, I'd like to meet is Jack Dempsey, the boxer. Oh, that was a, that guy right there. Man, what a, what, a, what a physic, as they used to say. Man, that guy was something else. Uh, Simon Kenton, I'd like to meet him. He's a, uh, a historical figure from this area. And he got captured by the Indians, and he went through all kinds of torture. He was a man's man. I'd like that guy. Jo- Johann Sebastian Bach. Man, I'd like to meet him. The man's mind was incredible. I mean, he basically had uh, the, the concept of the Internet in his mind, like all these different types of music and different things, and he just put them all together, and uh, amazing. Um, I have to admit, I'd like to make, I would have liked to have met uh, Louis L'Amour, the author. Now, these are just some of my things. Now, if, if you were to make up a list, who would you have? Who would you have on your list? And, and why would you put that person on your list? You know, Paul, I think, had narrowed his list down to one person. If I could meet one person, it would be Jesus Christ. Why? Because if you combine all the attributes that you admire in other human beings, and you place them into one person, they would compare to Jesus Christ like a flashlight compares to the midday sun. We're talking about the sun of righteousness. He's the rock which followed them. He is holy, harmless, separate from sinners, and yet he is the friend of sinners. Which in his times he shall show who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who only hath immortality, dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto. He is the wisdom of God. He is the chief cornerstone. He is the chief shepherd. He is the foundation of the church. He is the bright and morning star. Jesus Christ, there is none other like him. He loved me when I was unlovely. He sought me when I ran from the fold. He forgave me when I was guilty. He opened his arms and welcomed me back from the far country and the hog pen. When I believe not, yet he abideth faithful. He is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against against that day. He is the Lord of peace. He gives peace, not as the world giveth. He is my blessed hope. He lightens my darkness. His spirit comforts me. Are you listening to me this morning? I'm talking about the greatest being that's ever existed. And and, and, and his spirit is with me. His spirit comforts me, and his spirit convicts me, and it sustains me. His blood paid the debt of my sin. His death taught me to wait and to trust and to hope in God. And his resurrection gave me eternal life. (laughs) What will it be when you and I see him someday? I'll tell you what it'll be. It'll be the culmination of all 
hopes, all my ambitions and my plans and my wishes and my to-do lists and my bucket lists. It'll be all of the self-examination and cross-examination and introspection and internet searches and curiosities and ideas and eurekas and inspirations and euphorias and good vibes and wins and victories and milestones. All of that tied together in a being multiplied by a trillion. That's what it'll be like when I see him. Truly, to depart and to be with Christ is far better. How do I know that? Because as humans, we have this thing in us that says, I'm happy now, but what about tomorrow? There's some here this morning, perhaps, that say, I'm not happy now. When are we going to get out of here? We have this desire to move. Why? Because we know instinctively that we're not in the place of ultimate joy. We know that there's something going on. Nowadays, they call it FOMO, fear of missing out. And Paul said, for me to depart and to be with Christ is far better. If I could give you the the cell phone number of the person that you really admire and think is cool and like, and and I gave you the number and said, she said to call you. She, she, She said for you to call her and say, when are you available? I'll fly you out. Let's hang out. What would you, what would it be? Even people that you didn't have respect for, if they contacted you and said, I'd like to meet you, if they were important enough, you might think, wow, that would be cool. But if you were to take the being, the Son of God, the the creator of the ends of the earth, and hear his voice as he says, come unto me. Come. I want you to be with me. Can you imagine, they call it big leaguing, when you have a, cell phone, somebody's contacting you, and you won't respond to them. You see them calling, and you just mute it. It's big leaguing. Why? Because you're in a bigger league than they are. You can ignore them. Can you imagine? Paul said, I've got the Son of God, the King of kings and Lord of lords, that's calling me and wants to bring me up to his place. And he said, I really, really, really want to go. It is so much better than anything here. It's so much better than this world in which I live. That was Paul's choice. Nevertheless. Nevertheless. Did you see how many times in Philippians that he says something similar? In verse number 18, he said, notwithstanding. Why? Why? It's because you and I, if we're living for God are never going to be able to fully just settle in one place. God is constantly stretching you. You think, well, I just want to have, you know, that job. And once I get that job, I'll be happy and I can just chill. I can coast. No, it's not going to happen. If I could just get past this crisis, if I could just have a child, if I could just get my children out of the house, if I could just get a new car, If I could just get a different car, if I could just have that, it's because we're constantly in a place where things are changing and we're being challenged. Notice that Paul said here, to depart and be with Christ is far better. Verse number 23, verse 24, nevertheless, nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. 
So choice number one is to depart and be with Christ, which benefits me. There's nothing that you do here on this earth that you won't do better in heaven. Pray, eat, uh, health, praise, be thankful, purity. All of those things will be so much better in heaven. But he said here, nevertheless, nevertheless, I guess we can't go yet, so everybody just hang on. Is that what he said? He said, nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. The second choice benefits others. Well, what could be better than being with Christ? Well, here's, here, here's some things that you can't do in heaven. You can't win souls in heaven. You can't increase the faith and joy of believers in heaven. That's the reason that Paul said, it's better for me to be here. It's more needful for you because I can further you and increase your joy of faith. The only reason God hasn't taken you home yet is because someone down here needs you. A lot of people have a tendency to want to get away and be alone. It's not uncommon and it's not, un, it's not difficult to understand. Why? The most painful things in this world are people. What they say, what they do, what they don't do, what they don't say. People are hurtful. Someone said right, rightly, hurt people hurt people. Either way, whether the person's hurting or not, they're hurting me. You see, human beings are a problem. I mean, they are a big problem. Now, I'm not. But they are. Isn't that what we all think? It's the people around me that are causing me so much problems. You know what Paul said? I got a choice. I can either go to be with God, which is a lot better down here, but there's a better choice than that. In fact, he didn't say it was better choice. He said it was more needful. You know what that tells us, believer? That just because something is better doesn't mean we ought to do it. Just because something looks to me that it would advantage me, and maybe it would. That's not necessarily a green light from God to do it. Paul decided to stick around. Not to serve his own needs but the needs of others. Thinking about Father's Day, that's what makes a good father. Someone who decides to stick around, not for his own needs, but for the needs of others. It won't take you very long into a marriage and into a fatherhood to realize that people don't give a rip about you. And then the second thought is, and I guess I didn't give a rip about my dad either. Why? We're selfish. And people have needs. They have demands. A child in a diaper doesn't care about you. I know he smiles, but there's other reasons for that. The child cares about himself. And so someone has to come along and say, I will care for those who do not care for others. A good father will do that. And Paul here is saying, it is more needful for me to stick around. You know what we need? We need Christians who will stick around. 
and care more about the needs of others than they do about themselves. You can imagine Paul saying, you're trying to tell me that I, don't, I shouldn't want to go to be with Jesus? Now think with me here. This is a little bit, it's going to require some thinking. It was a good thing that Paul desired, right? To be with Christ. He wanted to leave and get out of this wicked world. By the way, he's chained in a prison right now. Why wouldn't he want to get out? He said, I'm ready to bounce. Get me out of this weird place. Nevertheless, this is the crux of Christianity right here. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for me. No. Again, I tell you, you think you're existing now and enjoying, and you are. But can you imagine being able to live without ever having a dirty thought, an unkind thought, envious, hateful thought towards someone else? Can you imagine never, never having to exercise, never having to watch what you eat, never having to be confined to just walking on the ground? You can now float and fly in the air. Can you imagine being able to live without sleeping? This is what awaits us on the other side, according to the Word of God. That's far better. Don't tell me that it's better for you to live a life for yourself. You'd be better off taking your own life and going. Now, that's what Paul had. He seemed to have a little bit of a a death wish. I'm not telling you should commit suicide, but if you could see a moment over there, you could, if you could see just a moment, you wouldn't be sitting here going, oh, man, I just want to have my life the way you'd say, no, there ain't no hope for this place. I'm out of here. And that's Paul's attitude. But he said, it's more needful for you. I am here for others. By the way, if you can get that down, fathers, I am here for others, it'll help you a great deal. Someone gave me some advice when I was a new father years ago. They said, when you get home, Stop in the driveway and sit for a couple minutes and realize that you're about to go into a war zone. And if you will realize that, not because mama's, ain't, mama's not happy, and if mama ain't happy, nobody's happy. No, but because that there, there, there is a war that's been going on there. If you have children... That's a war of the wills, a war of the flesh that's been going on. We want this. We can't have that. Stop telling me what to do. They're running around making messes. And, and dads, we go to work and we do our thing. And then we come home and they're like, hey, everybody serve me. The, the king is back. Prepare the banquet. And uh, they say, what king? Get to work. Empty the trash. Where have you been? Right? And the reason why that's so difficult is because we think we're to be served. And truthfully, we ought to be serving. If you'll stop in the driveway just for 10 minutes, one minute, and say, I'm about to go into a war zone. It's time for me to get my service on and to be a blessing. And then when you go in the house, if you'll spend 10 minutes trying to be a blessing and not asking, where's this? Where's that? Why aren't you doing this? Where were you all day? What's going on? Just 10 minutes of being a servant and a blessing to everybody in that house, it will radically transform your night. That's my practical uh, advice for you fathers this morning. And you can tell it's not very popular. But Christ, Christ decided to stick around, didn't he? he? You see, he chose to abide in this mortal flesh. Flesh that could be slapped and punched and wounded and bruised and lacerated and cut 
and killed. You know, Christ ascended, but not before all that. He stuck it out in the flesh. Why? It was more needful for us. The only reason that God hasn't taken you home is because because someone down here needs you. And if you don't believe that, you may as well be in heaven. Now, it's far better in heaven. But what about the people down here that need you? You say, nobody needs me. Do you have the Jesus Christ inside of you? Somebody needs you. You see, what happens, believers, is we think, ah, this world is a toy, the veil of tears, and it's toil, 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 and trouble. And it is. It is. For everybody. But you just got to ask yourself and scratch your head and think, how can a guy like Paul, who is being put in prison, beaten for, for, for living for Jesus Christ, how could he say that it was more needful for him to stay here after all that? Look at, look at what he says in verse number 25. He said, it's more needful for you, and having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith. He said, I have confidence. I have this confidence that it's better for me to be here. Paul was not drawing on his self-confidence or his dominant personality. Look at chapter 3 of Philippians. Philippians chapter 3, verse 4. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh... If any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. You want to know about people who are zealous for the law? That's going to be a Pharisee. Someone who is willing to uh, uh, chuck tomatoes produce at a street preacher in Brooklyn, Ohio. You know, most of the time you reserve your, your biggest criticism uh, for any kind of public ministry is going to be a Christian. But you talk about taking to the next level. A Jew will take you on. Why? They're zealous. They're right. Everybody else is right. Everybody else is wrong. They are right. And Paul said, I had that in the bag. I could flash the Pharisee badge with the best of them. In fact, mine trumped everybody else's. I was top dog. Watch what he said. But what things were gained to me, verse 7, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. Mothers, you know what I'm talking about in this. Fathers, you know you've given up your life for your children. Guys, all the guys are bowling, but you're not. You're going to stay and fix the sink. Hey, the rest of the guys are—they're going on a, on a trip, you know, hunting somewhere. But not you. You can't afford it because you're putting the kids through school. You're, you're paying for them to have braces. You see, Paul had gotten to the point in his life where he said, "Everything that I used to be—my my my shoes, my clothes, my haircut, my persona." My time, my car, I gave it all up for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. And he did that to such a degree, he gave up everything for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. And he said, I'd rather depart and be with Christ. And the Lord says, hey, the closer you get to me, the more concerned you are going to be about others. Don't try to say that you love Jesus Christ 
if you're not interested in being around people, hey, listen, this is a challenge to all of us. Because, see, some of us tried to work with people, and we worked with them, and we invested in them, and then it's like the investment just went to dust and it disappeared. Can I tell you, anyone that's worked with people and invested in their lives is destined to be hurt. It's going to happen. How do I know? We follow Christ. It happened to Christ. He stood on the hill outside Jerusalem and he said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou which stonest the prophets and killest them that are sent unto thee. How oft would I have gathered thee as a hen gathereth her chicks, and ye would not. He said, I am, how's that for Calvinism? He said, I, I'm offering you an opportunity to be reconciled to God, to bring you under my w- wings, and you didn't even believe I was from God. You mocked me. You see, that's what happens. You, you, you get away from people because they're sinful and filthy, and yes, they are. And you cleave to God, and you say, I want to be focused on God. And guess what God does? He sends you back to the people. He doesn't send you to the monastery. You need time alone with God. You need the quiet time with God. But always, Christ would go up into the mountain apart to pray. And when day was come, he would come back to those same broken down people and work with them. And how many times does that cycle continue in the life of Jesus Christ? And here, the Apostle Paul said, I'm at the point where I'm ready to go to the mountain apart to be with Jesus Christ. And the Lord says, I want you back over here. Why? It's more needful for them. Hey, your life may be all perfect or it's getting close. You've got your list of things that you want to do. Check, 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 check. I'm finally getting better. I'm finally making progress. Spiritually, you can do the same thing. You can, you can compile a list of things that make you better. You know what's going to happen? At the end of all that, God's going to cause you, uh, he's going to require of you to throw it all out. What things were gain to me all the time I spent investing in her. And she turned on me. And it hurts, doesn't it? All, all of the things that I did for God, all the tracks that I've passed out. And how many conversations have I had with people about Jesus Christ? And it seems like nobody wants to hear. Nobody cares. Nobody's listening. What does the Lord do? You take some time with the Lord. You get away. And the Lord sends you back. Back into the maelstrom of human depravity. Back into the chaos that is Laodicean Christianity. That's where he sends us. Why? It's more needful for someone. But the trumpet blew there for a moment. You know what Jesus said? He said this, Greater love hath no man than this, than that a man lay down his life for his friends. Lay down his life. What's life made out of? It's made out of time. Life is made out of minutes. Life is made out of, let me check my calendar. Boy, there's nothing Americans like saying better than that. Let me see what's on the schedule. Let me ask the little woman what we're doing. We love to be busy, don't we? We love to look busy, especially when people are asking us to do things we don't want to do. Amen. I'm right there with you. Ah, 2023 is not looking good right now. <laughs> but, you know, but, but, but why? Because people are hard. Life is difficult. You know what a lot of us do? We say, oh, I'm just going to focus on my family. And we should. We should. You should focus on your family. Uh, 
If you don't have charity towards your family members, then you probably don't have charity at all. But how many of us were in the family of God when Jesus came to earth? What if he had just focused on his family? I wasn't even in the family. It wasn't until some 2,000 years after he was here that I got an opportunity to get into the family. You see, God has a love and a concern for those that are not in the family of God. You watch what happens here. Paul got some confidence, not from his flesh. His confidence came because he, was, he knew that he was not here for his own glory. He, he would rather be in the presence of Jesus Christ and bask in the glory of Jesus Christ. What things were gained to me, I counted loss. Why? For the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. I want to know him more. You can have it all. Well, what about your, what about your books? You can have all my books. What about your study? You can have it. My house, take it, car, I don't care. What about your job? I don't need it. I want to know Jesus more. By the way, if you're going to know Jesus, he is going to require things of you. You're not going to tack him on like plus $5 a month to subscription of your life. And you can also have Jesus. Jesus requires more and more and more of you. So he said, what things were gained? I counted loss. Why? I want to know Jesus more. And that's where his confidence for ministering to others came from. I want you to watch this. He, he said this, you can go further with me than you could, you could go with just God and the Bible. Look what he says in verse 25. Having his confidence, I know, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith. Listen. Be careful of this, this uh, the, I will call it a Calvinistic mindset, a determinist, deterministic mindset that says, I just give the word, I don't know what God's going to do with it, I can't do I understand that, there is a truth in that, I can't dictate, I've planted a polis water, God gave the increase, but I want you to see, you're really close to distancing yourself away from people when you say, I just leave a tract, I just leave a tract, I don't say nothing to nobody, because I don't have, I'm not good with people. You know what Paul said? I know that if I stay here, it's going to help you in your Christian walk. Is that, is that arrogance? Is that pri- Some people think it is. Can I tell you why they think that? Because they've gotten burned by people. And so they back away from people, and they say, I don't know what to do. I just give out the word. They do what they do with what they do. You know what Paul's confidence was? Here, he, I want you to think of this. It's a little bit of a formula. You'll get it. He said, I am confident that being here will further you and give you more, more faith because I'm here. Where did that confidence come from? The confidence came From two facts. One, it would be better for me to be with Jesus Christ. And two, God doesn't want me there because he has something here for me to do. Now follow me, follow me. Every one of us is going to go further because of other Christians. And Paul had a hard time choosing between departing and abiding, between leaving and staying. And here's the point. It, it, it was the pressure from these two choices that made Paul such a help to other believers. And here it is. You're not really ready to stay until you really, really want to go. You're not ready to stay here and help others until you would rather be with Jesus Christ.
Paul was confident that he could help others because he no longer valued this world. He only valued the people in this world that he could help. To be a person that can truly further other people, you have to be a person with a burning desire to be with Christ. Some people have a burning desire to be in position of leadership, position of ministry. Hey, I just want to be in that position and I just want to have that. Listen, you won't be a help to anybody in a position of ministry unless you're in love with Jesus Christ. Why? Because I am not here to guide people to myself. In ministry, it happens often. You can tell. We get sticky fingers in ministry. I want my squad around me. I want my people who, who could worship me if need be. I want to have people around that like me and we like each other and we always call each other and we're always, some people come to church because of that. They want to be here and we ought to be friendly and we ought to be careful. I had someone tell me this week, uh, somebody asked me to go to coffee and that's the reason why I'm, I'm here and I want to stay and I want to be involved in discipleship and what a blessing that is. But can I tell you the reason, the, the biggest way you can help someone else is to be in love with Jesus Christ and the desire to depart and yet the pull to stay and help creates the compression power that is needed to be a help in other people's lives. If it's just a desire to be around people, I love having people over the house. Hey, that's good. Hospitality is great. But how are you helping them spiritually? Hey, watching a ball game is fun, but how is that helping? Just everybody else on your street does the same thing. How does that further them in the cause of Christ? Hospitality is wonderful. Some people say, exactly, I don't have people over because that ain't going to help them grow. I just want to be with Jesus. It's the compression that's created when you're pulled in two different directions. You love Jesus Christ. You want to spend time with him. And you, have to, you, have, you know that you could help them. Why? Because I, I could blow this popsicle stand. I don't have to be here. You know how awesome it is in heaven? That gives you confidence. The reason why you don't have confidence in helping people is because you think this is the, all there is. You're afraid to give the gospel out because you're afraid that maybe you're wrong and they're right. You're afraid of standing up and having boldness because you don't believe in truth. One truth you believe in is that there is no truth, which is a truth in your mind. You see, Christians are weak and powerless because they don't love Jesus Christ. They wouldn't rather depart and be with Christ, which is far better. The way they look at it is get all you can, can all you get, whatever that means, and then heaven that's like the whipped cream on top. Anytime I go to an ice cream place and they say, is whipped cream on top all right? I'm like, why are you asking me that? It's like Americans like, this is awesome. Oh, and heaven's going to be cool too. You have no idea how much better heaven is than here. And if you did, you wouldn't be like, this is really great. You ought to really want to get out of this earth. Not because it was better back in the 50s or 60s. But because Jesus Christ is better no matter how much of a utopia we have on this earth. Jesus Christ is magnificently better than anything that we could ever hope to build or ever have built in this world. He is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And I ask you this question. Why are you abiding in the flesh? Well, we all got to live. That's true. That's true. But isn't it true that you're, you're going to die someday? I mean, aren't you concerned about your retirement and making sure that you provide for your family? And Aren't you concerned about the end of your life? Question for you, believer. To depart and to be with Christ, is it really far better than the life that you've set up right now? You're not ready to stay until you're ready to go. I want to take you on a quick journey in Scripture, four passage, three passages, 
If you would, look in John chapter 13 and Luke 22. Hold your place in both, if you would, at least in John. I want you to see the little trajectory of the Apostle Peter. John 13. John 13.35, by this shall all men know. 13.35, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, whither goest thou? Notice he said, you're my disciples if you love one another. He said, where are you going? Jesus answered him, whither I go, thou canst not follow me now, but thou shalt follow me afterwards. Peter said unto him, Lord, why cannot I follow thee now? I will lay down my life for thy sake. Notice the personal pronouns that, Paul, that Simon Peter is using. Jesus answered him, Wilt thou lay down thy life for my sake? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, the cock, the cock shall not crow till thou hast denied me thrice. You see, Peter thought, I love you more than life itself. God, you're big in my book. I love God, man. I'm telling you, I love him. The Lord said, you don't even know how much you don't love me. He had just said, you'll prove that you're my disciples if you have love one to another. And Peter said, Lord, I want you. I want you and you alone. I don't got time for nobody else. I want you. The Lord said, it's not going to be long before you deny me. You know what that tells us? We need to, we need to be, be real careful that we don't Rush to one side or the other. If you truly love Jesus Christ, you will determine that it is far better for you, more needful for you at this time, to be in Laodicean Christianity. More needful. If you really love people, you'll wish that you would rather be up in heaven. Do you see the compression that's created between that with that pressure? Go to chapter 22 of Luke and hold your place in John. Luke 22, just at the end of the book. Luke 22, 31. 22, 31, the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. That's about to happen. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted... Worship me. What did he say? Strengthen thy brethren. You see, Satan is going to challenge you to your very core. Are you in this for Jesus? Oh, yes, I am, Lord. Then prove it by furthering other believers. When thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. I already told you, if you really love me, You'll love your brethren. And people say, well, I, that's, that's why. I just love people, and I just think it's all about people. I saw a sign that said, uh, family, is not, uh, family is not an important thing. It's the only thing. Family's important. Sure. You know what's more important? The love of God. You can't properly love your family unless you love God. But if you love God, you will love others. Are you following me this morning? We're coming down. We're going to land the plane. We're going to be out of here. Amen. We're going to be eating steak. Hopefully. It's Father's Day. 
One more place, John chapter 21. John 21, verse 17. Hey, if you're not eating alphabet soup this afternoon, thank God. It may not be steak. Anything but alphabet soup. John 21, verse 17. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? Lord, I've been trying to tell you I love you. I've been trying to tell you I love you, and you won't listen to me. And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, feed my sheep. Paul had a hard time choosing between departing and abiding, but he said, it's more needful for me to be alive right here, right now, even with the problems I have, being in prison, even with the enemies I have, it's better for me to be here right now. And Christian, I'm going to ask you, what would you choose? You can't properly choose to serve other people unless you really would rather be with Jesus Christ. But if you would rather be with Jesus Christ, it's more needful for you to strengthen the brethren. If God knows that you love him, feed his sheep. I don't know who this message is for this morning. Other than me, I know it's for me. There was a wave of worldwide missions, really the first real wave of worldwide missions that happened as a result of a group of people called the Moravians. This was after the Reformation. And the Moravians were people who went all over the place bringing the gospel. Some sold themselves into slavery so they could reach the slave colonies. But they had a symbol that they took with them everywhere they went. The Moravian symbol was an ox. You can find it today. Some have updated it. The ox standing between a burning altar and a plow. They're saying whether we live to serve or whether we die in sacrifice, it makes no difference to us. We belong to God. Whether we pull the plow or whether we die on the altar, whether we serve or whether we are sacrificed, Lord, hook us up to the yoke or cut us up and burn us on the altar. It doesn't matter. Why? Because we are here for your glory, Lord. And if you decide that it's more needful for us to be here and to sacrifice our lives for others, then we're happy to do so. As long as I am in this body, as long as I'm here, I want to help push you forward. Men, I want to challenge you. Fathers today, for whom are you living? Are you living for yourself and your drives? Or could you say to depart and to be with Christ would be far better. I can't wait to meet him. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. Let's bow our heads in prayer this morning.